other. Nemesis. Traveler. Each on a downward spiral towards damnation. They are among the blackest souls. A different sin has dragged them to the bottom. One man walks with blood-red fury coursing through his veins. The other with ice-blue vengeance burning in his soul. For here, one must leave behind all hesitation. Here, every cowardice must meet its death. Like the mythical figures of Dante's Inferno, all who cross the threshold into the eight circles of hell will be shown no mercy. Within those fires, there are souls, each one swathed in that which scorches him. The Inferno knows no pity. The Inferno knows no remorse. Within the flames, they will suffer. They, who went as one to rage, now share one punishment. True to Dante's epic saga, these warriors who pass through the burning gates of Hades will never return the same. There is no exit from the flame. You are simply transformed into the language of the fire. And now, 10321 presents WWF Unforgiven in your house where The Undertaker will battle Kane in the first ever Inferno match. And where tonight, the owner of the World Wrestling Federation has promised an event of catastrophic proportions will occur sometime during Unforgiven. WWF Unforgiven, in your house. Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, as we enter December 2017, what do you have for us from the news desk in the world of professional wrestling this week, sir? Well, first I want to wish all of our fans and my fans, friends and family, a uh, thank you for all the birthday wishes. Yeah. Your mom didn't know how old you were, though. She did I'm not. very concerned about this. She did not, yes. But I don't know which who to believe, because I think the, the mother would know. <laughs> I turned 29 for the first time. The first of many times I want to be 29. Are you sure you want to be 29? Because your mom says you're 28. So she you does say be... I'm 28, yeah. She says I'm 28. I'm not sure why she says I'm 28, but she says I'm 28. I think next year so... you got to get your uh, driver's license renewed, so Probably. if you're 29. So, yeah, you Probably. got big problems ahead. Yeah. You might as well just be 28. You yeah. might as well just keep doing that. Just stick, there's really with, not stick mu- with 28, 28 and holding. Yeah, there's re- there's really not much difference, honestly. John Cena being a dumbass. Uh, John Cena, he's like uh, me with my SNES Classic trying to flip it and sell it uh, to make a profit. He got a rare car from the Ford Motor Company, which... Ford, Ford GT. Yeah, Ford GT, which Cena's had a long relationship with the Ford company. I mean, remember that WrestleMania entrance when he came in and the... Uh, the Mustang, yeah. The Mustang, yeah. He's, That's when they were in Detroit that year. Oh, in... It was. At Ford Field, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, has had a long relationship with this company, and apparently these GTs are very rare, and so they have to basically come to you and offer to let you buy the car, and they let him... Purchased the car for like half a million dollars, and he signed a contract saying he wouldn't sell it. 
Some contracts say you can sell it after two years. I don't know if his said that. Mr. Cena went ahead and uh, sold the car before the two years or whenever. Uh, He violated his contract. He sold it for a profit. Even though this man reportedly made $8 million last year. He needs more money. Yeah. He doesn't need a car, though. He's got a big car collection. He's like Jay Leno, so he doesn't really need this car. He's a big muscle car guy, for sure. Yeah, Um, remember at Access, they used to bring Cena's cars out for that. It's like, who cares? I don't care what kind of car you drive, pal. And he's already basically fessed up to this. So, yeah, it's going to cost him way more money than the car was worth to go through all this legal trouble to settle the lawsuit. Yeah. So, John Cena. Mr. Squeaky Clean. It's good to see that... You know, nobody's perfect. Not even John Cena. Candice Michelle at a local event, at an indie event this past week, has announced that she is fully retired from professional wrestling. She wrestled at the end of her match. She gave a heartfelt speech. See, you know, what I was telling you is if you're not an active wrestler in one of the major promotions, you've basically retired. I mean... Well, that's like Hogan hasn't announced he's retired. Hogan can come back and still wrestle. Well, you never want to close the door completely. Exactly. But you do if you want to just make some news for no reason. I mean, she can go to indie show after indie show and stand up and say it's her last match. I just think that if you're not... I just don't think there's much news value to her retire When someone's out of the spotlight, I mean, that would be like saying, oh, Shark Boy, he retired this week. Well, Shark Boy hasn't... We haven't seen him in years, you know, or Luther Reigns retired this week or whatever, you know. We don't know because... <laughs> we never see this person anymore. Like I told you, it'd be like if I quit my job and I walked back in weeks later and said, Hey, everybody, just wanting to let you know, I quit. Yeah. All right, she had a, a bad injury. She broke her clavicle, like shattered it. Yeah. And then in 2009 was drafted to SmackDown, but never appeared and was released from her contract. So she had been inactive. I mean, according to her Wikipedia page, had been inactive from the ring entirely until october of 2017 when it was announced that that retirement match would take place at house of hardcore 36 blizzard brawl so there you go she won she beat lisa marie congratulations it's nice to retire at let's see candace michelle is 39 it's nice to retire at 39 now do you know who lisa marie veron is dun 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 no are you serious no who is that is victoria Oh, okay. She's 46. She's still wrestling. So, her ring names, Victoria's ring names, you'll like this one. Head Bitch in Charge, HBIC. She was Tara, of course. Yeah. And now she just goes by her real name. Is she good enough to be in the WWE Hall of Fame? Candice Michelle? No, definitely not her, but Victoria? Victoria? Absolutely. I don't think so. I think her the the work that her and Trish did paving the way with uh, the first women's hardcore match and things like that. It wasn't the first per se, but it, it was very revolutionary. I see her actually, yes. And when she's up there giving the speech, she can talk about how she debuted as one of Godfather's hoes at WrestleMania 2000. She's been there from the beginning. <laughs> so. Here's my whole thing is... We put in Beth Phoenix, but we didn't put in Ivory. And yet Ivory's been there from the beginning. Well, and basically. We, d- we didn't put in Sable, who, I mean. Well, I don't think Sable. Sa- of course not, because she's married to Brock Lesnar, so you hate her. Yeah. But look, the fact is, 
I know she didn't do very well in the ring, but she was, I mean, she was the most famous female face of the company for two or three years, I would say. Like one and a half year. It was a real short run, but yeah. Uh, the uh, like, but people still remember. I mean, it was also the most popular time in wrestling, and people right. remember Sable. She was the first one to do the Playboy cover and all that stuff. So, do you see? Uh, do you see other women's wrestlers going in the Hall of Fame? Who do you? Who do you predict? Well, I was just thinking about uh, this upcoming class because. They put in one every year now. I mean, yeah. we have basically a format down. And I think this year would be the year to put Sable in if Brock Lesnar's contract is really up in August because he's already going to be in town for WrestleMania, and so his wife is going to be with him. So I think this is the year to put Sable in as the female. Who would you put in as the female wrestler in this year's class? I think Ivory. Yeah, that would be fine too. Especially, I really think Ivory, Ivory, the likes of Ivory and Victoria, the backbone of the women's wrestling division for the uh, the early two thousands, and and they could also bring up the fact that she was in Glow and talk about the history yeah. there with. I mean, the, how popular that show was. Now, who is your uh, big headliner this year? Because I think there's only one mm. answer. Who do you think that is? It's got to be Undertaker. It all has to be... I mean, this is where the streak ended. And this is going to be the matchup between the two losses. The two men that beat him. Right, and... We've got to figure out a way of putting him in there. And uh, I don't think I don't think he'll go in this year. I think this is the year to do it, though, because the storyline of your main feud is all built around him. I, I agree. Even though he's not there. I agree, but I don't think they'll put him in. Well, but then who else... Would you put in because you need someone that's alive, Correct. number one, Correct. and that's a big name, and that's not already in the Rock. See, I just don't think I don't think this is a good year to do that. I think you the have Rock to save will, that. The Rock will become the very first third generation star to go into the Hall of Fame. Maybe so with the Roman Reigns connection. Yeah, with Roman headlining and he can intro him. I which is really bad. I'm sorry. I I just think that's a yeah. Really... You don't need to mix the Rock and Roman Reigns right now because. That's only going to hurt The Rock. That's well, it got The Rock to... booed the last time they did yeah, it. So. Yeah. Ronda Rousey uh, did a promo video getting set to get the crowd pumped about her new website coming out. That she wants to be, have her own website to be able to connect with her fans one-on-one. And the promo video, the entire video is her working out and training in the uh, training center of WWE in Orlando. I mean, that could have been taped while... Because she went to see the Mae Young Classic, so she was at the Performance Center, so maybe she just wanted to work out. Right. So, who knows? With this website, she wants to build a brand, you know? Yeah. I I could actually see her, instead of pursuing a pro wrestling career, almost like a a daytime TV. You think it'd be like Oprah? That's what she's going for, I think. Really, you do. So you don't see a you don't see a WWE run. No, because I I just think that they would have started promoting it by now. Like not even I think not even out outright with videos or whatever, but like hinting at it. I think it's going to hint. They're going to to hint at it at either Royal Rumble or they're going to hint at it at WrestleMania this year. Well, she certainly if they do the female Royal Rumble. That would be the time to... Well, they have to tease it beforehand because they need you to buy the network to see I, the see, Royal See, I think she'll be a surprise. 
Bro, you can't just do it cold. That would be a waste. No. No. Because here's your deal. That's your selling point. If you're really building around Lesnar Reigns, nobody's going to buy what one of what's. They're not going to want to see that shit. That's not your selling point. And that's going to be your main event this year. You do a surprise women's Royal Rumble. She's a, she's the surprise entry. She wins the damn thing. You got two months to build her and Charlotte for the title WrestleMania. That people are actually going to tune in to see. Yeah, but I think that you have to still promote her the chance of her showing up in the Rumble. I mean, we're coming up on a month out from the Rumble. You have to have, like, tomorrow night on Raw, there better be some some sort of indication that this is... In fact, I think they should go ahead and announce if the rum, if the female Rumble's happening, because that, would, that alone, that announcement, would start the speculation that she's going to be a part of it. Yeah. But now with all these NXT call-ups and the women currently on the roster, they have more than enough... Uh, people to do it. Yeah. So, Ric Flair is in a new rap video. That's right. Yes, you introduced me to what was his name? Like his Big Bunny, little Big Bunny, little Bunny. I mean, he's Bad Bunny. I bad think. Bunny. Yeah. Let's see. I'll include a clip of it here. It's quite hilarious. He just introduces Bad Bunny. No, he actually dances throughout the video. Oh, okay. And they strut through it. It's uh, it's quite hilarious uh rick flair's been in quite a few rap songs uh there's a killer mike song just called rick flair and it it incorporates all his nwa promos in it it's a fantastic uh rap song he's the the original incarnation of like the current rap lifestyle like living in excess you know like tons of money tons of cars it's a puerto rican rapper by the name of bad bunny yeah, Bad Bunny. Yes, Puerto Rican rapper. He's like a Daddy Yankee, if you're familiar with Daddy Yankee. So, see, this is your era. Uh, no, yeah, this, this is not is my your, area uh, of expertise. It is because I don't know, you know Bad Bunny with radio and things like that. I don't know much about it, but uh, this is how this is going to show you how wide I am. I can't understand half of what the dude says. Well, part of it's probably in Spanish if he's Puerto Rican. That could be true. Yeah, <laughs> or you just can't understand him. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Is that all you got to say to me? To the 16-time world champion? What do I think about the bad, bad, bad money? And hear the music. Because it's the new religion. I'm telling you, this right here is my kiss feeling. Really dealer. Woo, woo, woo. Limousine ride. Just fine. I don't mean kiss feeling, baby. Just fine. Speaking of music, a big release this week. Man, this is... the world of WWE. This one right here, absolutely. And a guy that you talk about deserving of the Hall of Fame. I I agree. This should be a man who should be inducted into the Hall of Fame for his contributions to what he has done for WWE. 
and that is Jim Johnston. Yes, the amazing songwriter who came up with most of the themes that you heard from the early 90s, well, the late 80s, all the way up through uh, the early 2000s, really. Vader. Oh, yeah, and uh, Beyond the Mat, he talks about the Vader theme, which uh, was very interesting. Anytime, he never did a lot of on-camera stuff where he talked about his music, but he there are a few specials, and there's like a DVD where he talks about some of the songs. and He did so much. I would say his... His top three, the top three Jim Johnston entrance themes that I would say The Undertaker. Yeah. The Undertaker, Stone Cold, and Degeneration X, which he used a vocalist for, but iconic themes. And there's a great clip of him on YouTube, I might include it here, of him talking about the DX theme and how it's actually like a, it's a funk riff. It's not even a a rock riff. And so... This was the thing that was unique about DX was uh, I thought to have a long teasing intro before we get to the music. I worked with Chris Warren, the singer, who did such a great job. I didn't know what I wanted it to be. Just to have something while I was working with Chris in the studio, right here as a matter of fact, um, I just set up a, a beat just with, a, with the kick drum. It set it up almost as like just a metronome, so I'd have something in the headphones. And I had Chris in front of the microphone, and I was on the other side of the microphone. And I said, I'm just going to start thinking of something, and I want you to say it in your incredibly cool, attitudinal, snotty voice. And I just started thinking of anything I could that was confrontational, break the rules. I just started saying, you know, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think you can tell me who to be? You think you can tell me, you think you can do this? You think you can do that? And I took kind of the highlights, put it together. You think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? And then break it down. I stole from an, a later part of the song. Of course, I wrote it just break it down, but he took it to this whole new level of screaming it. Break it down. The basic groove is uh, a funk groove. I don't know why. It's not really a rock and roll thing at all. simple but um, it really was different it sounded like uh, people who were really confident that they were throwing it back up in your face and could care less what you thought about them Just for him to sit around, and he talked about Mankind's original themes, how it was like the piano thing at the end to play him out when he when yeah, he won he the a, match. Yeah, he had an entrance that was weird and spooky, and then he had a happy piano, like bedtime story type entrance to leave the ring. It was very, it was, it was very unique and different at the time, and I think his music added to that character. 
he did just such a wide range of anthems, and he's been basically replaced by CFOs who do all the the modern themes, like, and they all sound very similar, in my opinion. Uh, there's a few that sound different, but Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, their themes basically to me are almost they're almost interchangeable. They're just it's not there's no character to it. I just don't think they're very special and Jim Johnston now that's not to say that he didn't have misses either because when he wrote Sonny's it was very I know you want me yeah that was very groundbreaking for him to have her come in and and he does he does he plays the music and she does the the uh the the wording to it and singing well but Jimmy Hart had done Sexy Boy with Shawn Michaels years earlier, yeah. so... Yeah. That theme they used when Bulldog came back in 99 was awful. Owens. Enough is Which a, one? His Enough is Enough. But that was with The Nation. He I like the one that he had. I like the one that we saw for Unforgiven 98, with, which was like the Blackheart, Owen Hart theme. Yeah. I like that one okay. Yeah. A wrestler that had just a terrible theme song i don't really a lot of people aren't gonna like this one but i don't really like kurt angle's theme song and it was a recycled theme song that they had used been recycled for numerous people i don't like it and i don't like the you suck chant which just draws more attention to me listening to the song because i just thought it was really lame that they recycled a song that like the patriot used i don't think it's a heel song even though i mean the you suck thing like makes it a heel song it's not because when he was he debuted as your Olympic hero, but this guy of morality, like a preachy, like a heel. He yeah. debuted as a bad guy, and I thought that he was a, he was a apple pie, glut, you know. Milk, but he wasn't a baby face, clear, so. you know, milk drinking. But he was asshole. gonna. But he he's yeah he's here to shame us for not living yeah. his lifestyle, right? And so I thought the I don't think his theme works. And when he was in ECW very briefly in two thousand six, and they. They cut out that intro so they couldn't do the You Suck. I actually like that. It made the anthem better for me, but I've always thought his stinks. Sorry. Sorry, Jim. They had relocated Jim Johnson to uh, WWE Studios films, so that's what he had been doing music for lately. CFOs had been doing all the uh, the theme songs, so that's that's the world we live in now, is CFOs and the occasional, I guess, you'll get saliva still, you know. Motorhead. Yeah, Motorhead. Well, unfortunately, Lemmy's not available to make new Motorhead songs. Yeah, but but we'll get recycled Motorhead songs for... My Time for Triple H was a very good song, even though Triple H hated it. I I enjoyed that one. Uh, Oh, China's theme song sucked, too. Yeah. Don't treat me like a woman. Yeah. Don't treat me like a man. That was a really shitty one. Right. Uh, Right to Censor had a terrible theme song. See, I loved Right to Censors. That it was so annoying that it was actually entertaining. It made you just want to flat out just reach across the barricade and grab Stevie Richards and just choke the shit out of him. It worked. You know what I'm saying? I didn't like Too Cool's theme song all that much, really. Really? You now look, that one—that is today—that is a shocker. That one, I just don't. I just don't. TNA. Impact, Global Force Impact, whatever the hell they want to call themselves this week, has decided to wave the the, uh, the white flag 
go ahead and give in and uh, they're going to allow the character of broken Matt Hardy and brother Nero and the entire gimmick to uh, be released over to the Hardys. And so we could very well be seeing broken Matt Hardy and WWE very soon. Well, they teased it on raw quite heavily and over the house shows over the weekend, he was doing more delete chance, but they've done this before. And until, I don't know, until Impact or the WWE, until the WWE or Impact or Anthem or whoever release a statement, or even the Hardys, an official statement saying where they've acquired the rights, I think they're just uh, going to have a, a variation. He's going to be Woken Matt Hardy or whatever. So I, I'm not sure the characters' names will be the same, but they are, they are, it does appear like they're going with this character, so... And last, but certainly, it's good because he's got nothing. He's got nothing else going on, so no. he's totally lost at the moment. So, but, uh, and he's broken. He is broken. So is Jeff. But well, Jeff is physically actually broken. He should be the broken one. He should come <laughs> back and be broken. The uh, Pontiac Silverdome. Yes, we talked about the Georgia Dome. Yeah, they demolished it a couple weeks ago. Okay, Pontiac Silverdome. It did not demolish completely as well. So, no, instead they've made it much more dangerous. So both of these both of these legitimate standing arenas, these monuments, these historical landmarks are not going to just be demolished and go away with that easily. Parts of them are still standing still. They're not just, you know what? Fuck you. We're not falling as easily as you want us to. Yeah, so they set off all the demolition charges for the Silver Dome and it just sat there. Yeah. And but the engineers believe the steel beams are broken, so now they say let gravity do its job. And I just, part of me hopes it takes another like 10 years for it to just fall down. Like, I don't know. It was in serious disrepair, unlike the Georgia Dome, which was still maintained. And I mean, yeah. the Falcons played in it up until last year. I mean, we went to a monster truck show at the Georgia Dome. What was that, February? Yeah, whereas the Silver Dome had been vacant for much longer. What, four or five years, easy. Oh, longer than that. Silverdome had probably been vacant at this point by, I'm going to say, 15 years. Really? That long? It was the site. Ford Field. Which WrestleMania was that? Where 23. Ford- no, yeah. Yeah, 23. 23, so that's... Okay, so 10 years. 10 or 11 years. Vacant for 10 or 11 years, so... And had fallen in disrepair. I mean, it had an inflatable roof that they just let collapse. Yeah. All the seats were messed up. They were... I love pictures of abandoned buildings, and someone had gotten into the Silver Dome and took all these pictures of it. And there's videos, really cool. there's, there's abandoned videos out there on YouTube of it that are really cool too, where it shows guys just going in in there and hanging out, yeah, just chilling. And a lot of it had it had become a place for a lot of uh, homeless people to go. Yeah, it's sad. It's sad that they couldn't figure out anything else to do with that structure, but that's what happens. Those. Those old designs for uh, stadiums, just they couldn't figure out how to repurpose them. But uh, that's all I got, man. What about oh, you? Oh, man. You got anything? No, I didn't uh, really. As far as the TV this week, I don't feel like they advanced any storylines, really. I feel like congrats to Dean Ambrose and Renee Young, who finally took their honeymoon to Hawaii. So that's nice. That's always nice, yeah. And considering they got married uh, almost a year ago, it seems like, uh, 
Honeymoon's always good to have eventually. I think over a year ago. No, whenever the last brands, maybe the, yeah, the initial brand split. Or no, the Superstar Shake-Up, where they got, where she got sent to SmackDown. Nothing really going on. Uh, not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. We've already talked about. The biggest thing was Jim Johnston. And Broken broken Matt. So. so, for your birthday, you wanted to light a candle. I did. You wanted, instead of 28 or 29 candles, depending on who you ask. For, for my birthday, I decided I was going to light a ring on fire. Right, and you wanted to light either The Undertaker or Kane on fire. I wanted to watch these two men literally fight for their life for my entertainment. You know why? Because I'm an asshole like that. <laughs> Yeah, and you also wanted to go back to the Greensboro Coliseum, where we just had Starcade there. Yeah, it man, it's always weird how we pick these things, and they all have something to do with what's going on in current times somehow. Yeah. So yeah, Greensboro Coliseum, right in the heart of Horseman Country, man, the WWF. Oh yeah, running right. a show in Greensboro in '98 when WCW was still hot at this time. Quite an insult. And let me tell you, the best match on the card. Oh, I know, I know. The where you're greatest going. match on the card tonight is a definite Greensboro Classic. This is the World Wrestling Federation's first pay-per-view with the Scratch logo, the infamous Attitude Era logo in the corner, because. If you remember WrestleMania 14, they still use the old uh, WWF as, gold bar logo. As well as, this is the only pay-per-view that, after the night after WrestleMania 14, is when the Winged Eagle belt was retired. Oh, that's correct, yes. And so this, this is... This is cor- corporate champion Stone Cold was presented the new rounded belt. And the rounded belt had a blue strap. Yeah, it was very this weird. This is the only pay-per-view with the blue strap. Then it goes to black and stays black from now on out. So there you go. Another significance of this this pay-per-view. So. Unforgiven in your house. This is when they still use the in your house branding. It would be retired probably later in 98. I'd like to see in your house back. If it makes a pay-per-view shorter, which this one was not. This was a standard link pay-per-view. But if it makes them shorter, yes, bring it back, please. Because I can't do it. I can't do it sometimes with the current product. It's April 26, 1998, in front of 21,427 people, which WWF would like to remind you is the most people to ever see wrestling in Greensboro, North Carolina, just to uh, rub it in WCW's face. That was kind of a cheap jab there, but I, I disagree. How many people were at the Greensboro Coliseum for the very first arcade? Exactly. There was no one there to take attendance numbers. Well, Patrick, if you if you don't have the numbers, you can't question whether I'm right or wrong. I can just say That's what true. it is, and it, and it is just like there wasn't ninety three thousand people at the Silver Dome. There was slightly less, but you know the, there was no one there counting each individual person. So you can just say whatever you want to. Well, when which is what the WWF I'm does still sure, to this day. I'm pretty day. sure at at uh, in Dallas they had a clicker. And they were counting each and every single person that came. Oh to well, each, they they counted door. standing room only tickets too, which don't count if you're just standing in the bar of AT and T Field or whatever. While it's called. the event's going on, that yeah, that doesn't count. That's just a, if you were across the street. Does do those people count? They should because that's the the math they used to say that there was over a hundred. There was nearly a hundred thousand people there, but there was not over. It's. It's semantics. Why are they so insecure? Like, 90,000 people or 87,000 people is still good, you know? 
Yeah, we saw 70, I believe it was 76 at the Georgia Dome. Was it? Se- I think it was like 72. 70, okay, yeah. Was what they said. Yeah. I don't think it was that much. So, 70,000 people in, in a venue. That right there is, is, is impressive. It's fine. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter to anybody. I'd be happy if you just put like 70,000 plus and left it at that. I don't need an exact number. Now, even though Austin is your champion... I mean, he's the face of the franchise. The passing of the torch happened at WrestleMania 14. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels wrestled with a broken back to pass this title on to Stone Cold Steve Austin. He did. And Mike Tyson saved the day. And so Stone Cold is to usher in the new era. Yet, who do they promote over him in this pay-per-view? That would be The Undertaker. Because despite Austin being in the main event tonight, that's not what the promo tells us when we start. It's brothers on a trip. To destruction. Yeah. Not brothers of destruction. No. They're on a path to destruction. They are. And this is very strange to me because the WrestleMania 14 match, the ending, was so definitive. That was the end of the feud. To, like, if you watch that match between Kane and Undertaker, that was. was... I wouldn't say there's going to be a return match next month in a ring of fire. Yeah. I would say this is over. This is over and done with, and we can move on. But no, little did I know at Bad Blood '97 when Kane ripped that door off that this would be a long, the running. endless feud. Yeah, a long, the endless feud. feud, the endless alliance, linked forever. And Kane still wrestling to this day as he's running for mayor of Knox County. It's amazing. At 50 years old, still moves better than some pe- some 30 year olds on the roster. Like, I uh, yes, it's incredible. But I didn't know. I didn't know what we were getting into. Back in the day. And I certainly wouldn't have said we were going to have a rematch the very next month. Everyone will be shown no mercy like Dante's Inferno. As they have Freddie Blassie quote Dante's Inferno. Read it to us. Yeah. In the promo. This is intense. Someone's going to die tonight, basically. Someone will be lit on fire. Someone already was. A poor stagehand on Raw was already lit on fire. I mean, he had nothing to do with it. Kane brought him to the middle of the uh, the ramp and did some magic, and poof, he lit into flames. And so it was very scary. And this this poor man, who probably is no longer with us or is living with scars <laughs> of being burned by Kane, he's going to return at, at at a cage match one year and attack Kane. Probably, I don't know. Pete Rose may still attack him this year at WrestleMania. Who knows? Ten three two one. Back in the day when you made collect calls. Yes. Presents Unforgiven in your house. Where Kane takes on The Undertaker and Vince McMahon promises an event of cataclysmic proportions will take place. The Rock's Nation of Domination make their way to the ring. We have JR and King on the mic tonight. I'm glad you said The Rocks because if you remember correctly, The Nation of Domination started off with Farouk. That's right. What happened with Farouk being the leader? He let The Rock in. Well, originally he wanted... Ahmed Johnson to be in the group. Ahmed Johnson got hurt. Yeah. And they said, you know what? We'll settle for The Rock. So they let The Rock in the group. Well, he kicked out He kicked out all the non-black members. Farouk did. He kicked out Savio Vega, and he kicked out Crush. So that started Disciples of Apocalypse and Los Bariquas. So there was gang warfare. He and, recruited... And he kicked out the, uh, the, the two rep brothers. Yeah, PG-13 was yeah. Uh, no longer... They were unrated now. Yeah. So. They were underrated. D'Lo Brown was promoted. He was all. D'Lo Brown is actually the longest serving member of the Nation of Domination. That is true. 
he was promoted to full-time wrestler. Yes. Mark Henry turned heel, a former Olympian. He joined. Yeah. Then, comma, the fighting machine Mustafa. He joined. And then, of course, yes, Rocky Maivia turned his back on all of us who hated him anyway. Die, Rocky, die. And joined. And I believe it was that it was Farouk's birthday or a celebration of Farouk when... Or a celebration of the nation. It was just... Rocky wanted to reward all his nation after he won the Intercontinental title. He gives them all to celebrate Rolexes, gold-plated Rolexes, and then he gives a giant picture of the Rock, of the Rock, of himself with the Intercontinental title on his shoulder to Farouk. And he did not appreciate this. No, he wanted a damn Rolex too, just like everybody else. <laughs> and so the nation turned on Farouk and. Beat the shit out of him. Yeah. So, Farouk is groupless. Oh, you think he's groupless? No, he's not. He found his group. He found his group in the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock, and none other than the lethal weapon, Steve Blackman. <laughs> he couldn't have found two better partners. Ken, yes. Steve, not so sure. Yeah. <laughs> this was before Steve had his sticks, too, so yeah. he was kind of more bland than normal. Steve was stickless. So when Farouk, Blackman, and Steve come out, they do the nation's old pose, the yeah. old fist in the air and That's a right. show of unity to let you know that they're all together. This is a six-man tag, comma, the Godfather will not be participating. No. However, he's just going to sit on the side. Yeah, however, he's going to act as the uh, the manager or such and, and just kind of be supportive in their, in their corner that night, so... Yeah, he didn't bring any hoes either. So no. D'Lo starts with Blackman, hits a nice snap suplex. Shamrock tags in, tries a leg submission, but then tags Blackman back in. But Farouk is like, hey, no, don't tag him in. So tag me instead. So they fucked up the, the first tag that was made. He hits a spine buster and takes out his belt and whips D'Lo relentlessly with it. Ding, 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 DQ. Patrick Young, what the hell happened? Yeah... I guess was, it was Hogan uh, rules here where you can hit your opponent was, with your belt. He was whipping him like a government mule, and nobody was doing anything about it. Had I been refereeing the match, I probably would have called for the bell. Good for you. Well, Mark Eaton was under a lot of pressure tonight, so I don't know if you were going to get that yeah, bell rung anyway. That's true. Mark Eaton, man. You'll find out here in a few minutes. Poor old Mark. He, he's, really, he's really scared. He's under the gun. He's no longer with the company either, so eventually this would, his fears would come to fruition. Blackman comes in to face Mark Henry. He hits a couple of ugly backbreakers and an elbow to Steve Blackman. D'Lo comes in, hits the sky high, which is a sit-out powerbomb on Steve for a two-count. Farouk tags in, as does The Rock. Here we go, the showdown. Rock scoop slams Farouk and then tags Henry in. Henry hits a power slam to Steve Blackman, who tagged in. D'Lo hits a second rope elbow, and Blackman kicks out at two. Rock comes in and takes over on Blackman. Blackman nearly wins with an inside cradle. Then The Rock does the people's elbow before it was the people's elbow. And it keeps Blackman down, but only gets a two count. D'Lo comes in, tries a moonsault on Blackman, but misses. Rock and Farouk get the hot tag at the same time. Farouk runs wild and takes down the entire nation. Shamrock and Blackman then brawl with D'Lo and Henry on the outside. Rock hits a nasty DDT to Farouk. I believe he gets a two count off of this. Farouk then... Hits a nasty, almost, it was, a botched dominator. Nearly kills The Rock. Yeah, it was pretty rough. And gets the win 
Farouk, I guess, needed something after losing his entire squad. Yeah. This was... Made, the, made him pay. Yeah, this was... Well, I mean, this was, yeah, the Rock's comeuppance was a loss in a six-man tag. But for Farouk, I mean, until uh, a certain Mr. Bradshaw would be wandering into his life, Farouk was uh, pretty much lost without the nation. So to give him the win here was a, a nice thing to do. But at the same time, he's screwed, you know, for the immediate future. Yeah. Because he's got no crew. So there you go. The Rock surprisingly gets beat by Ron Simmons in the first match here. Patrick, what are your thoughts on this opening six-man tag? Clusterfuck. Well, kind of screwed up on the first tag. Then we all started kind of getting a little bit antsy and started jumping around, not realizing what we're doing. We're missing cues. We're missing tags. We're missing spots. It just wasn't a good thing, and kind of got to blame Steve Blackman for it. Yeah, this ran 13:32. It felt like a lot longer, though. It really needed more rock, I'm afraid, and they weren't going to give these fans what they wanted was to hate Rock, but he needed to be in the match more because yeah. he's the Rock. I mean, I thought D'Lo Brown was pretty good outside of the Rock and D'Lo, the rest of these guys. And I like Ken Shamrock a lot, but even at this point, I'm just not doing it for me. So I would have preferred this to be just a singles match, Rock and Farouk. I mean, that's what it needed to be anyway. And probably with a stipulation to keep the nation from interfering, but... Cole is with Farouk and says this is a long war that's just beginning with the nation. He wasn't telling the truth. No, because it's pretty much done. <laughs> yeah, that, that is the war. You just saw it. Then we get on the network version a nasty jump cut. They cut something completely out here. And all of a sudden, world champion Stone Cold Steve Austin is walking out. Austin grabs Mark Eaton. Last week, I said get your ass over here. Last week... Last week, Vince McMahon told you to ring that bell, didn't he? I said last week, Vince McMahon told you to ring that bell, didn't he? I rang the bell when I had to ring the bell. Put a little bass in your voice because you're starting to piss me off. If you don't know, bad things happen when people piss me off. I'm going to tell you just like it is. If Vince McMahon screws me for this title tonight, after I get through beating his ass up and down every single one of these aisles. That's a threat. Then I'm going to drag your little yellow carcass up and down each one of the same aisles I drug Vince on. So the only thing that can happen tonight, if you decide to call this thing down the middle and don't ring that bell, Vince McMahon just might fire you. But if he don't fire you, and you screw Steve Austin, you can always find another job, but it's going to be damn hard to find another life, because I'll beat your ass so bad, you'll never work here again. And that's a promise, no threat. you got a tough decision to make, so take your little scruffy ass over there and sit in your chair, and you think about it. And you just remember, I don't mind, I don't mind one bit. If dude love can beat my ass and take that belt, I really don't care because he was good enough to beat me. But if you screw me, if Vince McMahon screws me, you both 
gonna get your ass whipped. And that's the bottom line. Gusto Cold Setso. Drags him into the ring. He gets mad at the timekeeper for ringing the bell last week on Raw. You see, Mark Eaton rang the bell on Steve Blackman, who was in a dude love abdominal stretch on Raw. Yeah. And basically, we had the Montreal screw job all over again. He he rang that bell as instructed, and so Austin is politely informing him, listen, I don't give a damn what Vince instructs you to do. You screw me out of my title, you can always find another job, but you can't find another life. That's right. He says if Vince screws him tonight, he'll beat Mark Eaton's ass. But he does add, if he loses fair and square, he'll be okay with that. Yeah. So he's not not totally mean. No. A shark cage. Oh boy, we're in Greensboro. We're in Greensboro, and a shark cage is lowering from the ceiling. Where is Jim Cornette? <laughs> yeah, they missed. They mismatched where this step should have went here because at WrestleMania, China was handcuffed to Commissioner Slaughter. She was, and Slaughter, he was wanting to get involved in the match. That's really what it was. I think you're wrong. No, he yeah, was trying he, to keep her from interfering. Is it is it that, or was he trying to get involved? He has no dog in the fight. He's a he's he's an Owen man. He calls it right down the middle. Slaughter? Yeah. Hell no. He's not Jack Tunney. He calls no. it right down the middle. So anyway, <laughs> China threw freedom powder into yes. Slaughter's face at WrestleMania 14. Jumps and- on the apron, hits Owen right in the back of the head. Owen stumbles into a pedigree, one, two, three, European title, goes around the waist. I think it was already Triple H's. Oh, well, I think it's that, leaving around the waist of Triple H. Yeah, it's staying there permanently. And so... This belt that he won so ceremoniously by Sean laying down for him at that Christmas episode of Raw, which at the time I thought, well, that's really stupid. And then WCW said, hold my beer. And a couple Watch of years. This shit. Yeah. Oh, you thought that was stupid. Finger poke of doom, which they never bring up, by the way, when they talk about finger poke of doom. They never say, oh, we did the same thing, but it was for the European belt, so it's not as bad. Like, they never mention that not only was it a stupid move, but they stole the idea from WWF. Yeah. So it wasn't even original. Whatever. European champion Triple H is out first with China. Never a good sign that the champ is out first. Then the Blackheart, Owen Hart, is out next, which I like his industrial Jim Johnston theme song here. Really? Yeah, I like it. I like that. See, I wasn't a big fan of it. I didn't like his music he used when his feud with Brett or whatever. Like, doom, doesn't sig- that doesn't sound like something Owen would come out like it's I like that one. That's a babyface theme and he was a heel when he was using it. True. And here he's a good guy. It would make more sense here. Maybe they had him swapped, I don't know. China gets locked in the cage. She is. She's locked in the shark cage and she is hung high above the entryway. Before she gets locked in it, though, Triple H has to go and investigate the cage. He's like, hey, I'm just checking the cage here. And Owen jumps Triple H, and they battle on the entryway before the cage can be raised. They get in the ring, and Owen clotheslines Triple H right out, and he supercells and flops into the announce table. Meanwhile, they raise the cage. 
They get in the ring. Owen does some corner punches on Hunter, but gets dropped face first onto the turnbuckle. By the way, we have a cage cam. Yes, they wanted to point that out, that, oh, we put a camera in the cage. Look at us. Which showed us not much. No. It's a really weird angle. Triple H slows Owen down with a flying knee. Then we get a scoop slam to Owen. And then Triple H hits his Ric Flair knee drop, which does not look as good as Ric Flair's. Hunter locks in a dragon sleeper, which Jim Ross refused to call this move because... This this right here slowed this match way, way down. Yeah. Kept him in it so long that he got pin attempts out of it because Owen just was like, I'll just lay down. I mean, if we're just going to sit here for a while. Yeah. China slides a saw out of her tights and begins to... Work on the cage bars, but... Oh, she dropped it. And immediately gives up. Like, yeah, she she spent about two seconds on the bar and said, eh, fuck it, and then just dropped the saw, which I thought would come into play in the match. Yeah. No. No. Swinging neckbreaker to Owen and right back to that dragon sleeper, China tries to pry the bars with her own hands. Triple H hits his signature face buster knee to Owen and locks in another dragon sleeper. Owen escapes and hits a bridging German for a two count. China managed to bend a bar in the cage. She somehow has worked up enough strength just from standing up there. Willpower alone to bend iron bars. She's that strong. Now, even though she's bent the bar open, she's still way up in the sky, Patrick. She can't yeah. do much. I mean, even even from up there, she already dropped her weapon. She slides. She tries to slide herself through. Right. To get out. And she's working at it, working at it. So finally she's free. And in a very sort of scary scenario here with who's involved, she dangles from the cage, implicating that she could fall in a match involving Owen Hart. This was very spooky to me. Like This kind of messed with me. I know that she wasn't as high up as he was, but like I can't believe they let her do that. Like... Yeah. That's so dangerous, especially the way she was hanging. Like, at one point, she was, like, upside down, like, with her feet touching the bottom of the cage and her hands gripping it. So, like, if she had, like, if anything had gone wrong, she's going on her back or on her neck. Like, yeah. it just was not good. Like, I was actually concerned for China's safety. She was only about 10 feet in the air, though. Yeah, but she was, that, that cage was over the concrete portion, I think. Yeah, it I was. mean, she probably would it have was. landed more on the mats, but. It was over the concrete portion. She didn't have to worry about that, though. Because her buddy, the road dog, Jesse James, he drops the cage. Slowly. It would have been really bad if he just cut the cord. Well, yeah. The cage magically lowers, and we see just a very hint of road dog. We just have to trust it was road dog, because the camera missed it mostly. So China escapes. The refs, though, they're not having it. Neither is Sergeant Slaughter. So they hold China back. Owen counters the pedigree into a catapult, sends H into the turnbuckle, and then pedigrees Triple H. One, two, three. But what happens? X-Pac is there, and he has a fire extinguisher. Bounces it off the back of the head of Owen Hart, flips Triple H over on top of him. Referee slides back in after wrestling with China out at the entryway. One, two, three. Still your European champion. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. In a match that, yes, as you say, those dragon sleepers were brutal. 
And they were, man. They killed, they killed every bit of momentum that this match had going. Yeah, you can't keep someone like Owen Hart grounded and expect to have a, a great match. Yeah. This guy's got to move. Yeah, it, it literally, it was like a whoopee cushion. It just let the air out. And it was like, well, shit, this match now means absolutely And it was weird that Hunter was trying this out because, you know, it's... That's something you do on house shows is trying out moves. Like, this was a pay-per-view and here you are... Yeah. trying a move that I don't think he uses anymore. Like, I, I can't remember. I believe this is the only time he's ever used it. <laughs> X-Pac and DX celebrate, and they walk up the ramp, and dejected Owen Hart comes out of the ring, and fucking Michael Cole, the last guy you want to see after this devastating loss, gets up with Owen and says, Owen, looks like DX got your number, pal. Owen, another loss to Triple H. Another loss to Triple H. It looks like DX has your number. You want to know what I gotta say? Enough is enough. I've had it up to here. This bullshit has gotta stop. Whoa. Enough is enough, wow. and it's gonna stop. All right. Things All are right. gonna have to change around here. Right. Uh, he may be delirious, ladies and gentlemen. We, apolog- we apologize for that, ladies and gentlemen. Owen says, "Enough is enough, and this bullshit has to stop. And this bullshit has to stop, and things need to change." Enough is enough, and it's time for a change. Well, he didn't say it exactly like that, but the idea was there, anyway. WWF takes this moment to brag about their record crowd. We get another nasty jump cut here where they cut something out. And speaking... Speaking of Mr. James E. Cornette. Speaking of the NWA and Greensboro, Jim Cornette comes out. Mr. NWA. This is when he had his NWA faction... In the WWF, and he originally was managing the Rock and Roll Express, and he was devastated when they kept losing on TV to the Headbangers. Yes. This caused James E. Cornette to quit managing the Rock and Roll Express, which he shouldn't have been doing anyway, given their history. No. So he goes out, and he finds him two guys. Two guys and forms the new Midnight Express. That's right. Before he announces who the new Midnight Express is, he tells the crowd they're still the ugliest people he's ever seen in his life. And then he debuts. Bombastic Bob and Bodacious Bart, the the new Midnight Express. Which had some of the ugliest tights I think I've ever seen in wrestling. A like, little lightning M-E. Yeah. The me. The fact that it says me on them. Midnight Express. I know, but... And then the, the little like blue and the... the gold or yellow lightning bolt that wasn't so bad i guess the fact that it said me and there's two people one should have said you me and you i just i know it stands for midnight express but if you can't write it all on there writing me well express is a long word to write i know but me is a word it's me it's a word like the nwo is not a word you know separately from saying nw i can't look at it and go why does it say me you know, I look at this, this is me. There's two people wearing pants say me. So I just, I, I didn't, anyway. This is for the NWA tag titles. Actually, it's not. Because they, Rock and Roll Express didn't bring them out. I don't know who had them. I think uh, the Headbangers might have still No, had. Your, uh, your new Midnight Express had them. Are you sure? I don't re- I recall sure. seeing it. How could they have them if they're debuting? No, they're debuting in WWF. They have still been working in the NWA. Okay. Anyway, this match was also unannounced. Patrick, before this match gets started, I just want to tell you what a bad idea this is to be putting on this show. And here's why. Because 1998 is the biggest year in pro wrestling ever. 
It's, it'll never be hotter than it was in 1998. And that also meant you had a lot of new fans. And so, even someone like me, who had started watching in 96, I know very little. Like, I vaguely remember seeing... I think Rock and Roll Express were still in WCW in 96, like working some yeah. uh, jobber matches and stuff. This match has no meaning to me. And, also, the people that went to this show in Greensboro, WCW and WWF are sort of like like brand loyalty, like Pepsi and Coke. If I'm buying a ticket to a WWF show, I don't give a fuck about NWA or WCW or any of that history. If I'm a like a wrestling historian and just go to any show, Which I would. Is me. This was the wrong time to do this, especially unannounced. I think if they had done it like they did with Starcade over like last week or whatever in 2017, with where they build, yeah. Well, where they even in the local market say, oh, if you were a fan of these guys. If you're an NWA fan, come out and see it, because what happens during this match is you see a lot of empty seats. This was the piss break match, I mean, is what it turned out to be. Well, what turned out, yes, but what was really, this was the match of the night. No, it was not. This was, this It wasn't was, even close. I, see, I think it was. I think this was the greatest match on the card. You were just so biased. Well, yeah. It was terrible. It was no Bushwhackers and Beverly Brothers, but it was not a good match. It was okay. Holly gets knocked out of the ring by Gibson. Gibson hits a deep arm drag, and then Morton tags in. Bob accidentally decks Bart, so we've got team dysfunction already. Yeah. Jerry Lawler, he doesn't give a fuck about this match. He's talking about what kind of panties Sable may be wearing. Yeah. As I guess Vince told him in his headset, please bury this match, because this was all sort of a joke on Cornette and the NWA to be putting these guys on. It was to punish Cornette, I think. To make him look like a... Uh, to have like his tag teams loose to the headbangers and stuff. Yeah. It started out as a good idea, but as soon as Vince realized it was failing, it, he was going to bury it. Lots of empty seats during this one, especially on the hard camp. Like, you can see right in the dead center. They... Every... People got up and were like, I don't know anything about this. I'm leaving. And see, they missed out on a great match. <laughs> The new Midnight Express have some disagreements, and Cornette tries to smooth things out. Bart tags in. Abdominal stretch by Bart to Morton, and he uses Bob's hand for leverage. Tim White, though, breaks it up with a kick. I hate it when you refs get physical like that. I'm going to do what i got to do. Mr. Jim Cornette did not appreciate that whatsoever. So he climbs up on the ring ape, and he proceeds to... He wants to put up his dukes with Tim White. He's poking Timmy in, in uh, in the chest. And so Tim says... Hell no, so Tim pokes him back. Cornette gets offended, climbs in the ring, takes off his suit, and he put him up. He's ready to go. Here's the problem. The fighting Irishman and Tim White is not someone you want to step in the boxing ring with and try to throw fisticuffs with, and poor old Jim Cornette about lost his damn head. Yeah, so after Tim disposes of Cornette, he holds up the Rock and Roll Express's arms and Bob Holly is picked up on the camera mic saying, this is a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> Cornette trips up Morton, and Bart knocks him out of the ring and gets punched by Cornette. Bart hits two backbreakers to Morton. Bart power slams Morton. Bart running power slams Morton, and then Bob misses the Alabama jam on Ricky Morton. Gibson gets the hot tag. Stereo drop kicks. Signature Rock and Roll Express. Yep. To Bart. Double team drop kick. One, two, three. But Cornette elbows his own man. What? Gibson rolls up Bart again, but Bob sneaks in and bulldogs Gibson. And then Bart and Bob, the new Midnight Express win in Greensboro, North Carolina. Bodacious Bob. Or Bodacious Bart. Bombastic Bob. Win. 
I got a question for you. There was three different variations of the Midnight Express. Well, Jim Ross goes over it. Or you started Condry. off. You started off with with Dennis Condry and Bobby Eaton. Then you went to uh, Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton, and then you got uh, Bart Gunn and and Bob Holly here. Which is your favorite? <laughs> well, you we've already talked about this in one of our previous episodes. You know that Bombastic Bob and Bodacious Bart are definitely. I think that's the right order. Bodacious Bart and Bombastic Bob, they're my boys, man. They are, are they? the best. Really? See, I kind of got to go with uh, with Stan Lane and uh, and I'm Bobby Eaton. Because, you know, we know how I feel about Bobby anyway. So. Yeah. Well, in all seriousness, you're probably right. But I I do love uh, this, <laughs> this incarnation. And Bart, you know, he would really show me something in the Brawl for All coming up next he year. Did. So, uh, he did. Or coming and, up later this year. And then and Bob Holly, Bob Holly, Bob Holly went on to show that he was a true badass himself when he had his uh, his feud with Lesnar, which didn't turn out well. Too except well, he got but... his ass knocked out in the. Well, no, he didn't. He lost to Bart in the Brawl for All. He did. So. The first ever. Oh, another night of first. You got the scratch logo and, and the women's revolution. It had been on pause for quite some time since Alundra Blaze had left the scene, and it was going to remain that way as we have our first ever evening gown matchup is up next. Gold Dust and Luna are backstage with Doc Hendricks. Luna scowls that she's going to win, and Doc says he wants to go out and watch too. What a pervert. Luna and Goldust are out first. Sable's out alone. This is the beginning of the Mark Marrow hates Sable angle, and Mark Marrow hates women angle. So Sable chants fill the arena. And you know what? I hate Mark Marrow, so we're all good. Yeah. (laughs) Lawler says he wants to see the, quote, dairy farm. Oh. Luna quickly rips Sable's sleeves off. Luna rips the bottom portion of Sable's dress off to her... A massive pop exposing her thong. Sable lands a few big boots to Luna and throws some nice kicks, actually. Mark Mare eventually does come down to the ring and gets booed. Luna rips the rest of Sable's dress off and reveals her purple bra. So the winner of the first ever evening gown match, Luna Vachon. Sable didn't like this outcome, and she Sable bombs Luna and then rips Luna's dress off. Luna crawls under the ring to hide. Sable follows her. And it emerges from under the ring with Luna's underwear. So now Luna is naked. Luckily for us and the world, Goldust had a robe and puts it over his his gal pal and retrieves her. And so there you go. Another jump cut here, though. Uh, but before we get to that, what did you think of the evening gown match? A staple in WWF video games for years to come. This was very bad. Yes, it was. Very but it achieved... Look, it got a massive reaction because the people wanted to see Sable with no clothes on. Yes. And so they got And they to were see- going to see that rather soon anyway, so Yeah. And so congrats. It only took two minutes. No complaints really. Except lack of wrestling, uh disrespect to women, Lawler's commentaries, super creepy. And uh JR was Pretty much embarrassed to be a part of this, and as even as mentioned I, his mother watching at home. and As I would be embarrassed as well. Vince comes out with the Stooges, and no entrance theme, of course, because this is before No Chance in Hell, the uh, Royal Rumble theme song for 99. Vince says this was his groundbreaking news, which we all knew already, so it really didn't make, it wasn't groundbreaking or earth-shattering at all. He says he'll screw Austin out of the title, 
and mentions he is a native North Carolinian. There's some sort of speculation, some sort of conspiracy theory going around that the reason I am here is to screw Stone Cold Steve Austin out of the WWF championship here tonight. It's not true. Guarantee it. (laughs) Well, let me tell you the real reason I'm here. The real reason I'm here is that not that many years ago, at Moore County Hospital in Pinehurst, North Carolina, my mother had the pleasure of giving birth to me. That's right, I'm a native North Carolinian. That's truth. as far as the native North Carolinian. And it's kind of nice to be back home. These people should be proud. Well, he ain't exactly Dean Smith. But as far as this Who? conspiracy theory is concerned, am I going to screw Stone Cold out of the WWF title? The very thought that something like that would occur is beneath my dignity. And quite frankly... Oh, come on! Show some respect for the most famous man that ever come out of North Carolina! And quite frankly, I will not dignify that with a response. However, let me say this about that. I will not be held responsible for what happens in this very ring here tonight. In no way will I accept any responsibility at all if Stone Cold screws Stone Cold. And he won't be responsible if Stone Cold screws Stone Stone Cold. Cold. Sable is already backstage on the WWF hotline with Kevin Kelly. 1-900-737-4-WWF. Have your parents' permission before calling. Oh, you didn't know? The New Age Outlaws are out with a blow-up doll of Dean Smith, the former UNC coach. Which, I guess, is supposed to be funny. They're taking on LOD 2000, who have already lost their helmets that they just debuted at WrestleMania 14. They still have Sonny, but no helmets, because Hawk threw his into the crowd. He did. They won the right to this match at WrestleMania, and here it is. LOD chance for the challengers here as Billy Gunn starts out against Animal. Animal hits a shoulder tackle and a clothesline before double face-busting the Outlaws. Road Dog is now the legal man somehow without a tag, and Hawk tags in. Road Dog retreats to his corner and gets a pat on the back from Billy Gunn. It was really strange. He needed some emotional support. Hawk low blows him and back body drops him when he enters the ring. Hawk botches a scoop slam, picks him up again, and this time says, you know what, I'll just do a shoulder breaker instead. Hawk tags Animal in, who goes for a rest hold chin lock on Billy Gunn. Animal then power slams Gunn for a two count. Both teams brawl and the outlaws are thrown into one another. LOD 2000 go for the Doomsday device, now dubbed the Devastation device, but Billy Gunn chop blocks Animal's leg. Oh no! Road Dog and Gunn focus on Animal's bad leg and attack it. The Outlaws keep Animal away from Hawk and just keep working his leg. Mr. Ass tags in and drops a knee on Animal's leg. A Famouser to Animal, but he only gets a two count. Animal back body drops Gunn out of a pile driver attempt. 
Hawk gets the hot tag, as does Road Dog. Hawk runs wild, slams Road Dog, hits a big splash off the top turnbuckle. But then Gun gets in, belt shots Hawk, who, guess what, kicks it to no-sells a belt shot. Yeah. They say, fuck it, we'll try it again. So Billy holds up Hawk so Road Dog can belt shot him this time. But Road Dog belt shots Billy right out of the ring. Hawk then, ooh, Hawk, love you, buddy, but don't try a bridging German suplex because it looked like shit. But it got the three count and the WWF tag team titles here as he pins Road Dog Jesse James. But Did he actually. Then it's some bullshit. This no. is the most confusing finish no. of the night. Because see, if you watch from one angle, both men's shoulders were down. The referee counted Hawk's shoulders. So your winners and still World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions, the New Age Outlaws. I'm pretty sure Hawk got a shoulder up, which is why they cut to a different camera on the replay. As to not let you know that Hawk just didn't go with this finish. So yeah, apparently Hawk's shoulders were down, allegedly, according to referee Patrick Young. And so Jack Doan counted his shoulders instead of Road Dogs. Road Dogs, whose shoulders were also down, by the way, completely. So the LOD, they were not happy about this. And who gets the Doomsday device? Poor Jack Doan. Yes. Violence against referees just continues. It's a big ongoing problem. Yeah. Very dangerous. They replay the finish from a different angle and wheel poor Jack Doan to the back. So this was a shitty ending to the match, which I don't think ever really got going. I don't ever think it. And also, you repackaged LOD. You made a big fucking deal about him at WrestleMania. You gave him Sonny. You gave him the helmets, the new tights, different haircuts. You put all this work into him. They should have won the match here. And they should have won the titles. And then they could have dropped it at the next pay-per-view back to the Outlaws, or on Raw even. I just think that you put so much into repackaging these guys to have them lose their first go-out, you know, their first outing. Yeah. Just, they lose. And and not even because of they got beat because Hawk fucked up, which I guess would, was playing the long-term storyline game of, you know, the breakup and the, the shit with draws and the drunk Hawk and all that shit, so... Maybe this was part of that long-term storyline. Or maybe it was just shitty writing, which is what I think it was. So, what did you think about this match? Uh, it was an okay match. It, it wasn't... There's not really much you can say about it. But, you know what? I have always loved concerts during events. I oh, have. me too. Yeah, I, I know how much yeah. you enjoyed the one at WrestleMania where yeah. you and I got up and, and left. Yeah. Because Pitbull and Flo Rida just w- weren't doing it for you. But if there was one concert I wanted to be at at a live event, it was this one right here. Sawyer Brown singing alongside with Mr. J-E-double-F. J-A-double-R-E-double-T. That's double J, Jeff Jarrett. Oh, ain't he great? couple of problems with this segment. Uh, okay. The first being that Jeff Jarrett was exposed as a fraud years earlier that Road Dog did all the singing for Jeff Jarrett yeah. as a country star. Yeah. So how do you make that right? Well, you don't have him lip sync again, which is what they did here. They had Sawyer Brown lip sync too, so everyone's lip syncing. The uh, Well, no, actually, I believe Sawyer Brown was singing. No, no, he was not. Was he? He was lip syncing? Definitely lip syncing. Cause I was thinking, this sounded like a studio. I can't believe this is on the network. Of all the things that they'd pay for, I can't believe they somehow decided to pay for this. This is stupid. 
<laughs> this is. I, I fast forwarded through this. I kind this. of enjoyed it. Of course you did. Oh, you really enjoyed Some Girls Do? Is yeah, this on your. Uh, I love that song. Yeah. I love your... Sawyer Brown. I have their greatest hit CD. Of course you do. Sawyer Brown is a great country group. You know who's not a great country group? Steve Blackman and Jeff Jarrett, which is what this segment was set up for. So Steve Blackman, I guess, hates country music. He does. hates Jeff Jarrett. He does. He comes out to kick Jarrett's ass, puts him in a submission hold. But Tennessee Lee, Colonel Robert Parker now, as he's known in WWF as Tennessee Lee, smashes a guitar on Blackman. And JJ, double J, puts Blackman in a figure four. And that's what this segment was all about. Promo for the Inferno match next. I don't need to recap it. You know the story of fucking Kane and Undertaker. Kane and Uncle Paul are out first. Taker's out next. They both have noticeably wet hair because they know this is going to be... be a hot fucking match. It is going to be hot in that ring. They stare down each other as the fire ignites around the ring. They turn down the crowd lights, so this actually visually looks very good. Uh, with the dark crowd lights and just the, the flames. Taker goes for old school, which I thought was a stupid move to go. He could have just slipped on the ropes, fallen into the fire, match over, <laughs> which yeah. I actually deep down would have loved to have someone fuck up and just <laughs> set themselves on fire accidentally. But then And then have, because, you know, oh, that's not how the ending's supposed to go. They would try to work around it. Like, oh, he wasn't propelled by Kane into the fire, so it doesn't Extinguish count. him and start over. Yes. Restart the match. <laughs> yeah. Like, or like in that Austin first blood match, you know, just shit like that. <laughs> Kane holds Taker down in the corner with chokes and strikes. Kane power slams Taker and chokes him. Bearer gives Kane a chair, and Kane delivers a nasty head unprotected chair shot to Undertaker who is usually pretty good about getting his hands up, but he took it full force here. Yeah. And JR even mentions, talk about Concussion City. Yeah. Talk about Lawsuit City. Taker and Kane exchange strikes, and the fire shoots up every time they hit one. Whoever was working the flames there on the side near the timekeeper was doing a great job. Yes, they were. They had, uh... You see him sitting right there, and it has, uh... He's got, uh... It has, like, levers. Yeah. So you can raise. switches and he's flipping them there. Yeah. Take a Russian leg sweeps Kane and leg drops him. They choke each other and Kane gets the better of it. Choke slams Taker, who sits up and returns the favor. Kane then sits up immediately and they boot each other in the face. Taker misses his leaping clothesline, which is another stupid move to be making. Sidewalk slam to Taker from Kane and then Kane goes upstairs, a stupid move again, and gets crotched. So Taker superplexes Kane, which makes the fire shoot up to the ceiling. And then Undertaker. This was pretty impressive. He threw Kane out of the ring without Kane managing to touch any part of that fire. Yeah. So a major flaw in this match is where the fire is positioned around the ring. You can actually get around it pretty easily. Undertaker didn't think it was that easy. He took a very hard way to get out here. He did. He's uh, Kane says fuck it, and he's going back up. Yeah, well, the uh, the ramp, and yeah, Kane uh, said, Yeah, fuck it, uh, I'm out of the ring, I'll just let you know. I'm not, and then, gonna, I'm not gonna be lit on fire again, yeah. And so, Paul Bear goes over to the man controlling the fire and says, Anytime Taker tries to leave, shoot the fire up. That's so, what he was doing. So, now, yeah, the timekeeper tonight and the fireman are under a lot of pressure from everybody, 
Yeah. And so I guess the rest of this pay-per-view, there's going to be Taker sitting in a ring. He can't escape. Right. And so then out of nowhere... Vader. Vader. In one of his last WWF appearances, appears out of nowhere and starts fighting with Kane and battles him back towards the ring. When out of nowhere... Taker does his suicide dive, which was a much cleaner one than he did at WrestleMania 25. (laughs) He cleared the fire and landed directly on Vader and Kane. Tim White, who had previously tonight, Tim White had taken on Jim Cornette. Well, now he's able to wrestle Vader away. Don't fuck with Tim White tonight. Tim White is a bad man. Tim White is the star. (laughs) On the rating scale, I might pick Tim White tonight because he is a star. (laughs) He takes Vader and just wrestles him away. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. Go to the back. Okay. I think I will. <laughs> Bear sneaks around with a chair and smacks Taker in the back. He no-sells it. And smacks Kane in the head and the back. Another nasty, unprotected head chair shot. Taker stalks Bear to the Sawyer Brown stage. Yeah. And dumps the bass drum right on Paul Bear's head. Bust, bust Paul Bear. Uncle Paul's busted wide open. And assaults him with a mic stand. Blood streaming down his face. Kane. Uh, Undertaker says, dealt with him, now I'm going back to Kane. Kane grabs the chair but gets kicked. And he goes, whoa! And into the fire goes his hand. His left hand. His arm. His gloved hand. His sleeved, gloved hand. is set ablaze. Yeah, and he takes off running. And he did not pay attention in school to stop, drop, and roll. Instead, he runs to the back, which I think would have helped fan the flames. Which is hilarious, because you know the mossy oak and all that stuff that's like hanging down around the entryway? Oh, yeah. I'd have laughed if he caught that shit on fire. And then you've got people... This was very dangerous, yeah, what he did. I mean, why didn't they have people ringside with extinguishers to just immediately put him out? Or whatever, they those bags that they put around people, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, he runs to the back to where I guess he burns up and dies. And we'll never see him again. I love the people actually at the the curtain. They've spread the curtain real wide so he doesn't light the curtain fire (laughs) as well as he runs to the back. So, Ding, ding, ding. Undertaker is the winner of the first ever Inferno match. Taker, well, he doesn't want to let this fire ring go to waste, so... He gets in the ring and does his awesome taker pose, and the flames, he controls it with his magic, and they just shoot up all around him, and this would be used in every taker highlight reel video until the end of time. Yeah. This will be in his Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. Hall of Fame video, you will see Undertaker in a ring of fire, so. Uh, This match was actually pretty decent. Uh, I wish there was a little more offense between the two of them. Uh, They really, two big men, slow. Well, also lack of oxygen due to the fire taking the oxygen from the ring area. It was very hot on top of that. Yeah, they had to be careful to not set themselves on fire. They they were probably thinking about the finish, too, and they were just worried about getting to the end of the match, so they were probably distracted. But I thought, a pretty good match. Yeah. It's not a classic, and like I said, it went 16 minutes, and after WrestleMania 14, I didn't need to see a rematch, um, so this was kind of unnecessary, but for the purposes of putting this in a video game, or the purposes of marketing like this as like, I guess you can't do an Inferno like toy set, you know, that would be kind of bad, but as far as cool gimmick matches, I guess, you know, this was a, a, a novel idea. I almost 
my pick this week almost involved a WCW's version of this, but I chose not to do that to you. Instead, I went in a worse direction, but you'll oh, find God. that out. Uh, so later. we're not doing we're not doing uh, New Blood Rising. I know it's Great American Bash 2000 is. Oh hell yeah! Ring of Fire, Sting and Vampiro. Oh okay. I uh, know I, I I've been watching that in my personal time because that's I've been going through the 2000 Nitros. That's where I'm at. Well, you know, I, I did that when we were in Orlando. Yeah, so. you saw a lot of shitty wrestling between that and WrestleMania. <laughs> you had a t- really tough week. Austin and Dude Love, the persona of Mick Foley, yeah. his original persona, his home video wrestling persona. Oh, have mercy. Yeah, the Dudester, because Dude Love was cool and Mick Foley was not. It was the purpose of him creating this character as a kid. And Well, yeah. For whatever reason, they felt... I definitely remember on the uh, McFoley DVD, the Mankind DVD, Vince Russo being behind this dude love character, but I don't really understand why, because Mankind was a heel already. Could have been... He could have been Mankind... Or he could have been Cactus Jack here. I didn't understand the purpose of bringing in dude love here. I'd like to have seen Cactus Jack versus Austin. Been a good match. Uh, did they do that in WCW? Did that ever happen? No, never. Never. I thought maybe that might be why they didn't because they didn't want to be in Greensboro doing two heels. Oh right. The promo recaps Austin's title win and the Mister McMahon feud and the Dude Love attack as corporate champ Stone Cold was just not going to wear that suit and tie for Vince McMahon. If Austin becomes WWF champion as we know him now, that would be a public relations corporate nightmare. No longer will Stone Cold Steve Austin be considered a beer-swilling, hand-gesturing, trash-talking, blue-collar WWF champion. What? Give it up, ladies and gentlemen, for this extraordinary attire, the new and improved Stone Cold Steve Austin and the new look. Yes! The corporate makeover's not getting a big ovation here, is it? The new Stone Cold wants you to take this camera and get the film developed because this is the absolute last time. You will ever see Stone Cold Steve Austin wearing a ridiculous suit like this son of a bitch. I got. I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! Rattlesnakes don't make corporate pets! Stone Cold Steve Austin don't change for nobody, and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sits up. Tensions between WWF owner Vince McMahon and quote-unquote his champion Steve Austin consequently culminated in the unthinkable. If you want to see Austin and McMahon, give me a hell yeah! said you could beat Vince McMahon with one arm tied behind your back. There's only one cat who can bring peace to the war zone, and that's Dude Love. Oh, Vince, he just shoved Dude Love down. What? 
The only thing more confusing than the reason why Dude Love attacked Stone Cold was the sudden announcement that Dude was now the number one contender for the title. But if you ask Stone Cold Steve Austin, it's been a conspiracy between Vince McMahon and Dude Love all along. I would suggest that Mr. Austin has been watching too many Oliver Stone movies. Well, if you think it was a conspiracy, give me a hell yeah. That's exactly what I thought. I tell you what, Vince, you're going to raise a lot of eyebrows. You're going to sit at ringside during the title match with Austin and Dude Love. He's only done that one other time, and that was that Survivor Series when someone else got screwed out of the title. Here comes Stone Cold, and Stone Cold is going to get Vince McMahon. He's kicking the honor of the WWF Is Vince McMahon going to screw Austin out of the title this Sunday? I humbly apologize, and I'm sorry for the misunderstanding and for the problems that my remarks may have caused. Is that what you wanted? If you screw Steve Austin, Vince, you're going to get your ass whipped in front of the world, and that's all I got to say. And turns out Vince had a trick up his sleeve. Dude Love was his answer. You you said you can beat Vince McMahon with one arm tied behind your back. Oh, and that's when he ran out and interfered? And so Vince McMahon owns a victory over Austin? Is that what happened? Dude Love is out first. Another great Jim Johnson theme song. Dude Love. Even though I didn't much care for the character of Dude Love, I love the theme song. I loved his interest. Hey! Oh, yeah. Doing the knees all across the world. That, and he's like flying across the world and shit. Yeah, that's great. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. The Champ. Glass Shatters. Probably, I guess, my favorite Jim Johnson theme song of all time. Glass shatters and the champ is out. Austin and his blue belt come out to a big reaction and his first pay-per-view title defense, another landmark moment. Love quickly jumps him as he hands the belt to Mike Chioda. Austin quickly turns it around and knocks Dude out of the ring. The Dudester gets back in and gets hit with a Thez press and the punches and then gets a uh, middle finger elbow from Austin. Austin slams Dude's head against the mat and then hits a spine buster. They brawl in the walkway for a minute, and Mick tries to run away, but Austin clotheslines Dude in the back of the head. Ouch. And they battle on the Sawyer Brown stage. This stage is... They're going to get their money's worth out of the stage. A scoop slam on the stage to Mick Foley. I guess 10 counts don't matter in this match. I guess Austin wasn't worried about getting screwed out of a 10 count. I'm not worried about the the scoop slam as much as I am the fucking hip toss he's about to throw. (laughs) Austin throws Dude off the stage directly onto the concrete floor and his back thuds off the floor as... He throws him with a fucking hip toss off the the, uh, the stage and... Onto dude, concrete. Dude just... Man, Dude Love just... He splats. It was very, very dangerous. Very ugly to watch. Mike Kyoto eventually gets back in the ring and starts a 10 count on them, but quickly gives up and goes back outside to try to get them in the ring again. <laughs> They get in the ring. Mick bulldogs Austin. Mick puts Austin in a body scissors and a chin lock. Vince and the Stooges come down to the ring. Uh Uh-oh. The last time Vince was ringside for a match. Well, the last two times, because it happened on Raw, too. We know what happened. 
Patterson. Pat Patterson carries a chair. What's that for? Oh, it's for Mr. McMahon to sit in. He gets the best seat in the house. Vince sits in the chair and makes eye contact with Mark Eaton. And Mark Eaton sort of nods as they make eye contact. Uh Mm -hmm. Conspiracy. The fix is in. It's all up. Austin elbows out of the body scissors and flips McMahon off. Gets rolled up by Dude Love for a two count, which, which, which Vince McMahon jumped out of his chair for to try to sell it. Austin throws Dude's leg into the turnbuckle post. Austin knocks Dude out of the ring, goes for a pile driver on the ring mats. Thankfully, Mick doesn't take this and back body drops Austin onto the concrete. Ouch. Still not as bad as getting thrown off the stage, but whatever. Dude slams Austin's head into the guardrail, and Vince comes over and scolds Austin. You suck. You suck, Austin. Austin takes the bait and stalks Vince down the aisle so Dude Love can cheap shot him while he's distracted. Dude rakes Austin's neck across the ropes, and Vince comes over and tells Austin to be a man and just get in the ring. Abdominal stretch from Dude to Austin, and Vince is demanding that Eaton ring the bell, but Eaton... Doesn't, doesn't see, see the command. He doesn't see it. Before Austin has reversed it, so now Vince has to stop asking for the bell to be rang because he would have screwed Dude. They brawl on the outside of the ring and Austin suplexes Dude into the steps and he did not land well. It was like no. his knees took the brunt of the steps. It was very ugly. It's the reason this man has had so many leg surgeries. That's why he walks with a limp to this day. Dude Love gets back in the ring. And tunes up the band for Sweet Shin Music, which was a uh, kick to the shins. Yeah. And then the double arm DDT, right? Correct. But Austin catches his leg. It's like a WrestleMania 14 rewind here. Spins him around. And Dude accidentally clotheslines Mike Kyoto. Then Dude puts the mandible claw on Austin. McMahon watches on. But Austin fights out of the mandible claw. McMahon, meanwhile, is trying to revive Kyoto, which... If a man had neck problems, he was not doing... He was, like, moving his head around. Not a very wise decision here. No. Trying to wake him up. Gotta have a ref to ring the bell, I guess. Even though McMahon can ring the bell by himself. That's right. So this is sort of confusing. He doesn't really need the ref. He doesn't, but... (laughs) We gotta make sure that we know that Austin screws Austin. So for that... We have to have Austin think that he lost legitimately. Yeah. Austin tries to take McMahon's chair, but Dude shoves it in Austin's face. Dude tries a running chair shot twice, but Austin elbows it in Dude's face. Then, Mr. McMahon. Wouldn't you love to do this to your boss? Austin smashes Vince in the head full blast with a chair shot. Unprotected chair shot. Unprotected. Way unprotected. So he is out cold. Austin. But, but was he actually meaning to hit Vince? Mm. Or was he swinging for Dude? Austin then rolls Dude in the ring, count, hits the stunner, counts his own three, and his music plays. No bell rung, no. but Austin keeps his belt. Many minutes later, as they are loading Vince onto the stretcher, Finkel announces that Austin loses by DQ for assaulting a WWF official, which I guess was Vince. Not not Kyoto, because dude hit Kyoto. They load Vince up on the stretcher, and we go off the air. Which, if the goal was to make me excited for Raw the next night, well, mission accomplished, because... You're sold. You I'm know sold, yeah. What the hell happened? Is Vince alright? Uh, very good match. Yeah. I Good starting to a feud. Could have done a little less... 
a little less of the uh, I'm going to screw you, Austin stuff. He could have come out a little later in the match, I think, instead of... he. I think he got there a little too early. Yeah. I mean, the storyline... I mean, I... The screw job happened in November of 97, and it's April of 98. It already seems like it's old to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, WCW did a Starcade 97. So they did it the very next month, a screw job type finish. And now here we are in April. And here we are in 2017, still talking about this fucking screw job. It won't go away. Well, it will the haunt most, us till the, the day most, wrestling ends. It is the most. Shocking moment in professional wrestling history. Squeeze every dime out of that thing. Well, yeah. Don't let any of it go to waste. No. And they don't. And to this day, we still get these fucking screw job finishes. So, uh, good first title defense for Austin. He was way over. Good match. Yeah, good match. Mick, Mick sold for him tremendously. Took that bump off the stage like a boss. If, it, if I'm champ. And I, I have to I have to put the faith in the fact that my first title defense is going to be against someone to help me legitimately sell that I am the champ and I'm that good. I want it to be against Mick Foley. Well, Triple H definitely took that to heart because yes, Mick Foley would be Triple H's punching bag two two years later, so what are your thoughts on the card overall here, Unforgiven, In Your House 98? Oh, I love this pay-per-view. From start to finish, it's entertaining. Literally, from start It's to entertaining. Finish, it's it's an easy watch. Yeah. It's nothing very special, though. Uh, oh, see, I think it is. You got the first Inferno match. You got the first, you know, the Austin era. The evening gown match. First evening gown. The NWA you have the yeah. new Midnight Bodacious Express. Bart. Bombastic Bob. Actually, overall, yeah, I think it was an easy easy watch, a good card. It wasn't... It's not one that I would go out of my way to, to watch. So. Oh, see, I do. This is one of my go-tos. I love watching this one. I think they really... I think they really bungled LOD 2000. I mean, it, would, it wouldn't get any better for them. Uh, they bungled the whole NWA invasion... But that was on purpose, sort of. I think Owen probably should have beat Triple H. Rock probably should have beat Farouk. I can't believe that Kane lost again. I mean, boy, his stock really plummeted. I mean, he got beat bad at WrestleMania, and then he was set on fire. He was killed tonight. (laughs) And then uh, I think Austin probably... Well, the feud had to continue, so he couldn't beat Dude Clean tonight, but... He killed. Uh, he killed Vince with a headshot. Yeah, Vince is done. His his neck is broken. His he's paraplegic now. So, yeah, it was a very eventful night. Yeah, <laughs> uh, an easy watch though compared to some of the monstrosities we've had to sit through. So, <laughs> that is true. On our rating scale, Patrick Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where will you rate Unforgiven ninety eight? I'm giving this a seven foot tall, lit on fire. Kane. Wow. I'm giving it a Tim White. A fighting Tim White. You're giving it a fighting Irishman Tim White. Yeah, that's what I'm doing here because he was the man tonight. He was. He was the shit. He was not fucking around. No. There's Are... no Mike Kyoto. Yeah. He wasn't just laying down on the job or uh, no. Jack Doan. Those guys are God bitches. Dude, Jack Doan got his head taken clean the fuck off, man. 
That was an ugly Those guys are bitches day. compared to Tim White. Tim yeah. White's the man. All right, so well, where are you taking us? Well, it's the holiday season, Patrick. It's December. It's a December to dismember. Hell yes! ECW, December to dismember, 2006. The first and only and last WWECW pay-per-view. It ended the brand split pay-per-views, which we have now come back to. But after this monstrosity, they were all tri-branded. All brands would be featured as this did a buy rate of 90,000 and only 55,000 domestic buys and had a just a tremendously bad. I gotta be honest with you, I've never seen this one. Oh boy, you are in for something. This led to Paul Heyman's firing, this led to uh, Tommy Dreamer asking for his release. Stevie really? Richards asking for his release. Really? They didn't they those requests were denied. But <laughs> this was uh this was bad and you'll see why. December 3rd, 2006 in front of 4800 fans at the James Brown Arena in Augusta, Georgia. Wow. It's a December 2 dismember. We're not even in Atlanta, we're in Augusta, Georgia. <laughs> a very odd choice. This is for, a weird location. Yeah, with a uh is apparently this has a an elimination chamber match on it? Oh, it does. Yes, it's a hardcore elimination oh, okay. chamber match where when you're put in your pod or when you come into the ring, you have a weapon. There was somebody that was in one with a table, and so they couldn't get out of their pod. Really? Not the traditional way. They had to, and they couldn't use the table. They had to use the table to break out of the pod because to break the chains at the top of the table. But then climb, that made climb through that way. Yeah, and then but that made the table useless because they couldn't get it out of the pod. They didn't break up the pod to get the table out, so the table was just wasted. <laughs> and then there was a guy that had a oh, Big Show had a barbed wire bat. Hmm. He swings it, gets it stuck in the fence. It's never used. So awesome. Yeah, real hardcore. Yeah, I I'm very excited about this big. Yeah, well, there is some good on the on the card, including Hardy Boys taking on Eminem, and that's about it. You'll see. You'll see what we're getting into. This will not be one you'll be recommending. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So All right. Don't want to spoil it, but it's been talked. It's one of the most uh, talked about shows on the internet because of how bad it is. So. All right. That's where we'll go next week. I posted a, a thing for feedback for Unforgiven 98, but no one wanted to ring in. So no, no one, feedback. No one came in for any... No one wanted to weigh in on unforgiven 98 so that'll do it for this week i'm intern alex i am the one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history patrick young saying as always my closing lines clothesline and bingo bingo <laughs>